Uh, in this final hour today, two more conversations uh, on the B side of this hour. Jelani Natty about black men hike. We'll talk about black men hike, healing, bonding, and conquering anxieties one step at a time. But we commence this hour with a premier voice on colonial oppression, Joris Lechen, uh, who works to deconstruct colonial power structures the world over. Joris, how are you today? Good morning, Tavis. I am really well. Thank you very much. It's good to have you on the program. Glad we have a few minutes to talk here. Um, let me start with a couple couple of big questions, broad questions, and we'll, we'll narrow as we move through our, our dialogue here. Um, but I, I introduced you a moment ago, of course, as uh, one of the premier voices around the globe on colonial oppression. What does colonial oppression look like for you today? Well, First of all, thank you for having me on this special day, um, first day of Black History Month. I'm very honored to be speaking with you. What colonial oppression looks like for me, I would say that I am very privileged in many ways. My, I, I am a black person, but in many ways, my proximity to whiteness has um, afforded me certain privileges and, um, and being shielded from um, the biggest aspects of oppression however i think that it comes with the responsibility of talking about it um because well my ability to speak english for instance even though this is not my mother language um this this is how i see it as a responsibility to talk about oppression and the way that i am affected by oppression is not necessarily specific to me um, but it is specific to black people to queer people it is specific to people who live in the society that we live in in a capitalist extractivist um, colonial society that uh, relies on separation on alienation on severing of um, connections between people connections with the self and connections with community connection with the environment uh, all of those connections are severed are cut are separated are policed by the system and this is those are the ways that it affects me as well as a citizen of the world and more specifically as a colonized body which includes my queerness and my blackness um, and my neurodivergence we, we live in a world that is ever more divisive we live in a world that is becoming more and more native or people in this world are becoming more and more nativist by the day, which leads me to ask, um, why speak in the first place? Why, why, why speak out? Or put another way, who cares? <laughs> so I think that everybody has a role in, in making a change. I mean, those who want a change, everybody has a role, and this may not be the same for everyone. I think that understanding how systems of oppression work is the first step before we can even consider dismantling them and i may not be um, the person who will lead the revolution but i think that i can help doing my bit by explaining how oppression works how we are affected by it in ways that may not be obvious in ways that may not be overt um, but that affect everyone including the oppressor, even though I do not want to excuse the oppressor and put them in the same boat as the oppressed, but um, showing that the oppressor is also affected by the system of oppression and creates uh, an atmosphere and a, and a society that is hostile and toxic to everyone. I think that this is very important. And I think that this is 
my job trying to make people understand how bad things are and hopefully also give them the motivation to want to change things. So I do not claim to have solutions, uh, but I can help asking questions. And so this is the answer to who cares. We cannot change. We cannot create a better world if we don't understand how this one is bad and in which way it is um, doing us harm. When we come forward, I want to come to the point you just raised now about um, uh, how bad things are. That was your phrase um, that you're calling uh, your uh, your avocation is to speak out about how bad things are when it comes to colonial oppression. So that's the question, right? How bad are things? We'll get uh, uh, Joris uh, Lachin's answer to that when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Rank number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. The podcast. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Continuing our conversation now with uh, Joris Lachin. Um, Joris, before I get to um, your work uh, around educating and deconstructing colonial power structures, um, you said a moment ago that part of your calling, uh, and I think it's true for all of us who um, believe that things can be better, is to sound the alarm, to ring the bell, pick your metaphor about how bad things are. So when it comes to people of color, uh, today is the first day of Black History Month. When it comes to us and colonial oppression around the globe, how bad are things? Well, they're getting worse every time we think this is as bad as it gets. We see that it's getting worse. Um, of course, I'm thinking about what is happening in Palestine. And um, so people of color in general um but we see we, we see the proof that white supremacy is able to morph into many many forms and that even when we thought that 2020 had um, opened people's eyes we see that it was uh, just a new iteration of uh, of a different form of morphing into something becoming more acceptable and 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 now we see how white supremacy expresses itself and and affects people of color differently than uh, it affects white people uh, we see the difference between the treatment of of ukrainian people being um, being attacked by russia and the way that palestinians are are being tra- treated and demonized and and this is of course as as someone who's not directly affected and who's not being carpet bombed right now, um, I do not claim to share that same experience. But I think that as a collective trauma that us black people, people um, whose ancestors have been enslaved and have been systemically and systematically dehumanized and demonized, what we're seeing, what we're witnessing is... Um, awakening is um but also is is uh, reopening some wounds some transgenerational wounds that we have and i think that because of that right now black people in particular are are suffering because we are experiencing on top of what's already happening and of course the um systemic injustice that we are already experiencing um, but we are seeing uh, some very old wounds reopening right now mm. and that makes it really bad and that announces the the fall of empire but unfortunately empires do not know how to fall uh if they did then they wouldn't be falling and and the the 
the era that we have entered and that is getting worse and worse is um, is only bringing more violence. And this is quite worrying, I think. Yep. Um, we often have conversations uh, here in, in this country. You are a Franco-British, um, obviously, social communicator. Uh, you've lived and worked in five countries on three continents. We'll talk about that a little bit later here. Uh, and what mm-hmm. what what uh, what uh, visual uh, uh, that allows you to see, what, what sort of uh, palette that allows you to paint on when you've lived on three continents uh, in five countries. Um, nice. I'll come back to that in a second here. But my, my question is that in this country, we find ourselves often in conversations about whether or not, particularly in a moment like this and in the election year, as you well know, um, the question is whether or not we mm-hmm. believe that we can ever achieve true multiracial democracy in this republic. Can we ever achieve true multiracial democracy in this republic? That's a question that we wrestle with, you know, ad infinitum, ad nauseum in, in this country. And yet it, it occurs to me as you're talking that's the question that we could ask about the about the world house, as Dr. King might call it, the world house. Uh, and it, it, it might seem weird as a question because clearly there are people of color in various countries and on various continents all around the globe. So at first glance to ask whether or not we can make all that work seems silly because we're everywhere, people of color. Um, and yet, uh, as I listen to what you lay out, uh, and the way you see uh, the colonial oppression that we are experiencing, witnessing every day, that question seems you know, pretty relevant as to whether or not uh, we can achieve uh, uh, multiracial harmony on the globe, say nothing of the United States. Your thoughts? Well, the question is, first, can we achieve democracy? I think that what we are seeing with the fall of empire is that what we were taught was democracy is becoming more and more obvious that it is not really democracy because the ability for people and citizens uh, to decide to be deciding of their own destiny, we see that it's not the case. Even in official democracies, um, our workplace, we do not get a say in uh, the decisions that affect us the most, that affect our income, that affect our ability to how to find, to access housing, to access education. Those things are not included in democracy because those things are decided by private or corporate entities um, in which we do not get a vote. So already that in itself, the myth of democracy, as we know it, as the West knows it, is a myth. Now, the racial part of the question, we know that race is a social construct and race and racism were invented to justify the exploitation of a group of people. So when we see that democracy has never really been achieved, or at least not in the society that we experience, uh, we then can see that what is called democracy is just a system of oppression and a way of exploitation, exploiting people. So with that in mind, race in itself is a a tool of, of exploitation. So racial democracy, as long as race still exists in the sense that a way of dividing people to create an underclass and a class of oppressor, um, then then race in itself gets in the way of democracy um which is a, a democracy is not even achieved at the moment so racial democracy is a double uh, impossibility at least in the current society and the, in the system and in the choices that we are given and this is unfortunate 
unfortunately, I think that the notion of democracy um, is in reality, and when we talk about democracy, we talk about the illusion choice. And you obviously have it in, in the US between the mm-hmm. illusion of choice between the the Democrats and the Republicans, it is not a real choice. That is not really offering a choice. And this is how our democracies today present themselves. It's an illusion of choice. Mm. I'm 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 wrestling with that notion, an illusion of choice. Let me let me let me noodle mm-hmm. on that for a second. Uh, I might get back to that before this conversation wraps in a few minutes. Um, but it is it is it is the case that um, first of all, as you likely know, in this country. We are hurtling toward that day inexorably when America, for the first time ever, will be a country made up of majority uh, people of color. So there will, we, we will be a majority minority country not too far down the road, as you likely know. Uh, and so there, there are questions um, every day about what happens in this country when the good white folk are finally outnumbered. I raise that because... As the globe, not just the U.S., but as the globe becomes more colored, uh, we are seeing more and more violence. Um, you raised this issue of violence earlier. Yes. I, 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 and it seems to me that those two things are not disconnected, that the, that the world, the globe is becoming more colored and we are seeing uh, more violence. I, I, again, I assume you're like me, that you, you can't disconnect those two mm-hmm. realities. And um, not only is there correlation, but there's causality between the two. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I had something positive to say about it, but it can only breed violence. I'm currently calling from Brazil and uh, I'm based in the UK, but I'm right now in Brazil. And Brazilian society is in many ways very similar to the US society. The difference being that Brazil from it's been the case for always um but there's there's a majority of black and people of color in brazil and white people are a minority however we see that this is precisely the reason why brazil is an extremely racist society because the, the white supremacy in order to maintain them maintain itself could only resort to extreme violence and the more threatened the power, the privileged and the supremacy and the systems of oppression are, the more they will resort to violence, be it physical violence, but also cultural violence through epistemicide, for instance. Um, And we see the results in Brazil, the lack of general consciousness, of black consciousness, and, and I don't want to generalize, but on average, let's say that Brazil is a society that is very similar to the U.S., but that didn't know the civil rights movements as 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 the U.S. did. So it would be like a U.S. society, but without Martin Luther King, without mm-hmm. Angela Davis, without such names, um, without Malcolm X. Um, and so this is, uh, if we do not change the course of things, this is where the U.S. Mm-hmm. are also headed the more minoritized in terms in demographic terms the whiteness and what when i say whiteness this is not necessarily only white people but whiteness as a system of power and oppression and supremacy the more threatened whiteness will feel the more violent uh, the system will mm-hmm. be and we see this now the system is becoming more and more brazenly violent it's not necessarily becoming more violent because it always was but it's getting more and more difficult for it to hide it. 
but it's also less and less necessary for it to hide it because the violence is already so ingrained that there's no there's no need to hide it yeah. when when we see the um, international position of the US, the vetoes of uh, any resolution against um, Palestinian genocide, for instance. There's no there's no pretending anymore. It's mm. it's violence. It's white supremacy, just being proud of itself. And mm. unless unless there's a big change, then this is only going to increase as more and more people of color make up the the, the population of of the U.S. or the Americas in general. Uh, we were talking with uh, George Lachand about uh, colonial oppression on this first day of Black History Month. And um, as I mentioned earlier, he is um, he is a Franco-British um, social commentator. He's lived and worked in five countries and three continents, which leads me to ask, given that he just said at the moment he's talking to us uh, live from Brazil. How depressing is it? <laughs> how depressing must it be, uh, no matter where you are in the world, uh, never mind the country, never mind the continent, to see the colonial oppression that we're discussing in real time. Mm-hmm. So, so it is depressing, but there is hope in the sense that we have known, if we look in the past, if we look in the present, um, there are examples, there are solutions. Um, as I said earlier, coloniality, colonization, colonialism, all things slightly different, but they describe the same phenomenon. It it operates by severing, by separating, by um, categorizing. And so the way to combat that is to create connections, connections with others, connections with the selves, connections with the land, with traditions, with community. And this is also why I'm here in Brazil, because we are entering carnival season. And carnival is an example of emancipation, liberation, celebration. It's a black celebration. And it's it's international. It's, it's a global um, moment of celebrating blackness, celebrating roots to Africa. And I do believe that we need to bring back celebration, but also um, a, a certain form of tradition, of rituals and of uh, symbolic symbolism mm-hmm. into our lives. And society has removed that. Mm-hmm. It has created a clear separation between mm-hmm. the religious and the civil, but also between um between the symbolic and what is considered um, productive. And then now we are being, we are obsessed with being productive, making sense. Yeah. Um, but we've lost the sense of, of all. We've lost the sense of creating community around values, around beauty, around, um, around love. Yeah. And this is something that, uh, well, Corner West, for instance, talks uh, a lot about. <laughs> no, he does indeed. Does indeed. Talking about love. I've got a. I've got a. I've got a tight. <laughs> so, um, I've, I've got a tight. 60, I've got a tight. Sixty seconds here. Just sixty seconds to go, and I want to close on this note of uh, uh, back to your point about an illusion of choice in our politics in this country. In sixty seconds, um, I don't have time to unpack the illusion of choice, but I, I can't ask this right quick. What choice are we missing? What choice is not being offered to us? Community, the sense of community, the sense mm. of creating community. We talk a lot about the individual and now more and more people understand the systemic and how those two um, layers affect the uh, affect us and our existence. But we're missing something in the middle, which is community. It's 
bigger than the individual, but it's also something that allows us to create an identity together, to come together and to create links and connections. So um, I think that this is what's really missing, the middle um, section of, of uh, socialization, and that's community and that's connections, connect con connectivity. Mm -hmm. Franco-British social communicator, lived and worked in five countries and three continents uh, doing the kind of work to educate and deconstruct colonial power structures. I appreciate this conversation about colonial oppression in real time in Black History Month 2024. Thank you for having me. Uh, George Lashin, good to have you on this program. Thank you for your time, sir. All the best to you. Thank you. When we come forward, we'll talk with uh, Jelani Natty about Black Men Hike, challenging stereotypes and building a supportive haven for black men to heal, to bond, to conquer anxieties one step at a time. You are listening to Tavis Smiley.